Hi, I'm Hannah Durden and you're listening to the Outdoors Group podcast. This podcast is a call to arms to get children and young people outside again. It's your one-stop shop for all things outdoor, child, young person and education related. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Phil Arnold, the head teacher at Avanti Hall School, a state school based in Exeter for children from ages four all the way to 16. As someone who's spent his life in education within mainstream schools, Phil has agreed to join us to chat about the practicalities and challenges of incorporating outdoor education into state schools and the benefits of doing so when everything comes together to allow it to happen. Thanks for joining us today, Phil. It's a pleasure. Um, In our first episode, we spoke to Chev about uh, who's one of our directors, about how he perceives the attitudes towards outdoor education to have changed during his time within education. Um, I'd like to kind of contrast this with your opinion as someone who started as a history teacher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, before rising through the ranks at a number of secondary state schools and is now a head teacher. Um, so, yeah, do you think it's more on the radar that, than it was when you began? I think, um, yes, but it'd be outdoor education means lots of different things to different people. Yes. Um, and I think that's that's kind of an interesting perspective for, from from myself in my role of what I perceive outdoor education to be and look like, uh, what parents might perceive it to look like, what people at the outdoors group seem to look like. So the, for me, there's there's different layers to it. You've got the, the forest school bit, yeah, where children are learning quite specific skills in yeah. forest school. Highlighting, whittling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, but then you've got other elements of outdoor education where you can take the curriculum out outdoors you can do science lessons outdoors and that's been going on for years yeah um but i suppose there's more of a need for it now i think the last two years particularly yeah. sort of meant that With when COVID. yeah children were facing a lot of screens and, and having a lot of time in front of well indoors but yeah. I, and i think that sort of creates a better argument we need to be outdoors more because we saw what happened when children were inside for long periods of time it wasn't good for their mental health we know that outdoors can invigorate lots of different um, stimuli within your brain to help with um, having a, a much better outlook on, on life. Um, but also you've, you've also got the sensory elements to being outdoors as well. So children with SEND, uh, special educational needs particularly, yeah. really benefit from that. So I think going back to your question, yes, it is far more on the radar. Yeah, it's more on the radar than it was three years ago, let alone 20 years no, ago. 20, and yeah. I think I think the pandemic has had a huge influence on that um, but I also think that there's a lot of pressure on schools to fit in everything else yes but what controversially I don't mind the new Ofsted framework because I think if you can if you if you as a school are clear on what you're trying to do what what you're trying to put across for the children then actually the framework fits that because if you're trying to prioritize mental health you're trying to prioritize how you're going to yeah. use outside environments then that's a huge thing can Every i jump in do. to say yeah. i i don't know about the, the new change in the framework can you just for someone that might be listening that doesn't know like if someone who's got kids in school sure. for example what th- that kind of change has been um i think that the, the, the previous framework was very much built on school outcomes okay um what your school got the previous academic year was was nearly going to be um the guidance of what Ofsted grading you were going to get no matter what the school looked like at the time okay and that may be a little bit cynical but that's sort of how it felt at the time you get the feeling now that um the new framework where they're looking at what they term the quality of education okay so they're looking at the curriculum 
and how that's sequenced and how okay. that's then. So it's called the intent of the curriculum, what you're there to try and put across. Okay. Which then, sounds more positive. I think, well, if you've got a good rationale for why you've done this within your curriculum, particularly how you're building knowledge, how you're building the core foundations for each discrete subject, whether it's primary or secondary, then you can say that, and I can say that to an Ofsted inspector, but then they'll want to go out and they want to test it, and they call that the implementation. they want okay. to go out and feel and talk to the children, talk to the teachers. So and, if you're straying from a traditional approach, that's fine as long as you can prove it working in like reality, do you think? I suppose so. I suppose well, most maintained schools will follow the national curriculum at okay. primary. There's no exemption um, well, as far as I'm aware of, but from Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 national curriculum assessment okay. frameworks yeah so as a, as, a, as a strong emphasis on phonics on english mm. um uh, literacy and mathematics but then as you go through up up the different year groups to key stage three key stage four um you have a little bit more freedom because you can choose the um the, the the curriculum you want to study okay and my school's kind of unique because we're an all through so we do have reception age children going all the way through to the end of year 11 so yeah. when you're talking about that curriculum journey most secondary schools will do their sort of five-year key stage three, key stage four, sometimes building into key stage okay. five. But we can build a 12-year journey where you're mapping in, you know, what's being learned in science. Yeah. Well, what are they learning in reception? What are they learning in year one? And how can we build on what they're studying okay. so it's not terrifying when they get to year yeah. nine and ten? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so from, from that element, for me, talking about how you're interweaving outdoor learning, Yeah. actually, if you give subject leaders an opportunity to say, Let's see, let's use our site to, to really unpick what you want to deliver and how you can benefit from, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed. I've got a, a beautiful, I've got a six acre site, which is... With some really beautiful woodland. Is, <laughs> absolutely. And you can, you can weave so much of the curriculum in, into that. Yeah, um, which I guess leads me, I was going to ask what your, well, I guess your peers and the teachers within your school, how do they feel about, yeah, weaving that? using the outside grounds outside of the classroom are they positive about it or do they find it overwhelming I, well I'll, i can't speak on their behalf no no um, no, no. <laughs> um but i'll i'll speak on my behalf because i've tried it yeah um because i think it's important that i still teach I think, yeah um i think head teachers should teach to some to some degree um so i i, I decided right i'm going to do a lesson outside i just want to go on subject was it history history just okay yeah, yeah, yeah. To, I don't know what I was doing. I just took the kids out. We thought this is nice, but but it loses what you're comfortable with. Yes, and that's that's the the thing for teachers. I'm sure we would all love to go outside and teach. Yeah, but we need a framework or a, you know, we have routines in school which are there for the children. Yeah, and the children need those routines so they feel safe, they feel secure. And as soon as you go outside and you as a teacher go, right, what am I going to do here? Yeah, the children panic. Because they can sense Because they can sense yeah. that we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, so there's an element of that, and it has to be really carefully planned in. Yeah. So last week I saw our Year 11 science. I just saw them going off with quadrangles. They were going off to measure some stuff in the stream that we've got down the bottom. Yeah. I just thought, that's purposeful, because they, they've got that. They yes. know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And that's part of the curriculum that they're going to build in. It's learning outside. They're going to spend an hour. Yeah. Field, you know, field work, sampling. And we can do that on our school grounds. I guess science is probably quite an easy one at all ages, isn't it? Because with your younger ones, you can do natural stuff like bugs and weather and <clears throat> weather observations. and a nice, easy one. But I guess yeah. some of the other subjects present more of a challenge. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I, I agree. I sp- 
we we we've built an outdoor classroom actually our year 11s from last year who obviously didn't sit more formal GCSEs because they did the teacher assessed grade so they did their full oh yes cuz internal yeah internal assessments but it sort of meant that they'd finished a little bit before they were going to be released into the into the wider world <laughs> one of a better phrase um so we did two weeks work experience and a lot of them wanted to work on site and so of the legacy they built an out, an outdoor classroom that's amazing it really it's also nice. really nice that they wanted to be on site for their work experience well they didn't have a choice but um, <laughs> <laughs> um and what i saw last summer is actually as it was as it was then built i started to see geography lessons and english lessons yeah. and some of the year sixes and year fives going out there and using it because it was comfortable because it was outside yeah. but actually it, it, it looks like a classroom it's just outside yeah. instead of sitting on plastic seats you're sitting on logs and, yeah you know there's an there was an element of creative writing that was happening there was an element of different um of different parts that teachers were starting to do yeah. and, I, and i suppose i only saw three or four different teachers doing it mm. um and again, it's building confidence in teachers taking yeah. their children outside. And I guess the more teachers yeah. that do it and talk to their peers about it, the more yeah. people start to do it. Um, I think so. I think so. And maths is the one I, you know, that's the challenge, isn't it? Getting a maths lesson outside. And yes. Yeah, because yeah, all I can think of is angles. Well, so <laughs> and there's probably more to maths than I angles. Learned so. I learned uh, <laughs> we, we had a company come round to do some work with us um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I asked that question because I said, look, I want to use our site more. Yeah. Um, and and how, how, you know, how do you go about it? Because I can't see how maths might, you know... Fit in. Fit in, yeah. fit, fit in for want of a better phrase. And um, they said, well, there's loads of different ideas. So, so they said, for example, and I might get this wrong now, so I'm going to get close. <laughs> so, for example, if you look between your legs at a tree, yeah. and you look between your legs, and the moment you can see the top of the tree... So once you've got yourself in the right position, yeah. If the moment you see the top of the tree, you are exactly the same distance away from the base of the tree as the tree is tall. Ah, uh, I have heard that before. Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. it makes it. And I was yeah. Like, well, I never knew that. And all of a sudden, when you're sort of looking at sort of measurements and things, yes. Think, okay, there is angles. There is measurements. There's all yeah. sorts of different key things you can use for for different parts of the yeah. curriculum. So. I just thought actually there's there's means and ways for every subject. Yes, yeah, that does sound like it. And actually, yeah, as soon as you start thinking, you think, ah, oh, well, there's still life and all sorts of different ways to do art outside. And yeah, actually, there's quite a few, <laughs> which I kind of kind of covers. I was going to ask you about incorporating being outside into the curriculum, but we've just kind of spoken about that really. Um, uh, when it when it does work, when teachers feel confident and they've found a way to kind of do it, what do you think are the benefits for the pupils of being outside? Well, they're testing all sorts of different skills that they don't test inside. So, mm. and children at different developmental stages, you know, when they're in reception, they're they're learning communication, they're learning sort of the fine motor skills. Yeah. So they're learning different things than they're learning when they're in years nine and ten. Um, but what you can see, you can just see and it sounds daft but you can see if a child's learning you can just see when you open the classroom door you can see if they're engaged, engaged and paying attention yeah absolutely and 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 you get that you can sort of sense an energy when they're coming in from a lesson that they've just loved and they want yeah. to tell you about something and that's the same feeling whether you're indoors or outdoors yeah but certainly when i go down to our our early years our reception our year one sort of area 
you can just feel the energy coming off these children as yeah. they're playing outside and they're talking with each other. Uh, there's mud kitchens, there's sort of a speaker's chair, there's a the sat, you know, there's, there's different things that yeah. those children need. And they're, they're communicating and they're communicating with each other in a way that if they're stuck inside all the time, they, they wouldn't, do, they wouldn't yeah. be able to do that. So that's a, that's a huge thing. And it's the same as they get older. And one of the things that I really like about where, where we are as a school is in, when the weather's nice, we have playtime or lunch break, whatever you want to call it, out mm. on the, what's, what's called our front lawn. Okay. And you've always got staff on duty, but you can just see the way in which the children play in a really open, sort of free play space. Yeah. And the way they communicate, the way they work together. And it's, I've never seen it in another school, and it may be because we're a small school, but there's a football game going on with year sevens playing with year elevens yeah. and it doesn't seem to matter. And I was just about to ask about that because I think often when we think about forest school or kind of outdoor ed in schools, we think about primary age kids, but I was just going to ask about the kind of, yeah, the secondary secondary age, like 12 upwards. Mm. We often see a drop-off in our groups with older teenagers, mm. um, whether you kind of find that they still want to be outside and they're still finding it uh, a good way to engage and be interested you've got yeah yes yes i think so you've got different mechanisms to attract them yeah, because they're not know, playing in the same way obviously i'm guessing you don't see many 15 year olds in the mud kitchen not as many no <laughs> uh, uh, although not not none um i think um there, there are different things you know so one of the things i wanted to do it at my school was i remember you know duke of edinburgh or Exmoor challenge and ten tours and that's it's some of the very similar skills which you're picking up in forest school yeah. in terms of team working and building survival leaders and survival yeah. and things like that and and one of the things that um you know i've seen happen in the last 18 months is our children interested in getting involved in that and it's one of the things that i wanted to make sure we had in place in the yeah. sort of my first year in the school um and we've gone from sort of the foundation steps so now in the Exmoor Challenge, we've had to request two more teams because oh, we've got too awesome. many people signing up and we've got 10 tours teams that are going out now. Yes. And, it, you know, you just sort of think that's what those children want because yes. they value, they've, I think they value the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and in saying that, yes, it's serious because you're navigating, you're working with your your friends, mm. your campaign, you're do, you know, it's the survival element, exactly the same skills as forest. Yeah. Work. Um, uh, and I think we we do see that we do offer forest school t- to all of the children, um, and I think one the of kind the, of traditional forest school you mean like the lighting fires, doing whittling, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, w- interestingly, saying that one of the things I think we were quite reserved in the beginning because we were starting something, so we've got the the, the training now for our forest school leaders, and we needed to make sure that was in place before we were going to 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 offer it as part yes. of the curriculum. Um, but I think even in that sense, our forest school leaders were quite reserved in what was being delivered in the okay. early stages. And a lot of the children were saying, we want to do the whittling, the the, the lighting fires yeah. and stuff. And, and that took time. But now that's sort of starting to build yeah. in. You can see... Oh, Confidence for the leaders was Com- that that they needed. Yeah. yeah. I guess sure. it's a bit scary giving sharp knives to small children if you haven't done it before. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But again, because they've they've worked with the outdoors group and they've they've seen it happen they've seen it work and they they're they're all really quite well read on what the benefits are so that yeah. every class has it but we also do intervention groups as well and they can sort of see the benefit that that has on a child's confidence yeah on, on them understanding who they are and they've got to do it you know. and they out all year round as well 
well, when it's not too windy. Yeah. When it's not too windy, you know, when the trees aren't falling down. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've kind of talked about the benefits for the pupils, but for the staff leading the sessions, obviously I know we've talked about them needing the confidence to take learning outside. Are, are there benefits to them? Do you kind of see an impact on their... I was about to say behaviour, but that sounds a bit patronising, but do you see an impact on the staff when they're back within the school building having done some stuff outside? Uh, is that hard to say? Is it... Mm. If I look at the forest school leaders we've got, yeah, I think, I think every every person who's involved in educate in education generally should have career CPD development career de- professional development that's gives them something to try and aspire to be. Yeah. And the, for our three forest school leaders, they seem so grateful that they've been given an opportunity, yeah. and it's not just an opportunity to tick. I've done that, and I'll move on. They've been given an opportunity to practically apply what they've yeah. learned. Um, so I I really sort of feel that when I speak to them they may be saying that because I put them on the course and they, sort of, they know that's the right answer but well um, I bumped into one and they seem very grateful okay. and enthusiastic that helps good <laughs> what about the other two I haven't met them yet <laughs> um so I, I think that's that's you can just you can sort of see as, as they're taking the different groups and one of them one of them or actually two of them are very much primary school based before yeah. they took on this role and one of them is secondary and what's really nice is to see them working across the different phases okay. And again, it's, you know, learning doesn't look that much different if you're in reception or you're in year 13. It's okay. learning is learning. Um, and um, they sort of, you can sort of see them adapting to those challenges because they've got the, the tools to, to, to go on and do that. So yeah. for those guys, I, I, I see a, a sense of fulfilment in what they're doing. Yeah. They are making a difference. Um, I think for the other, the other members of staff, again, it just depends on what subject area they're teaching. Yeah. Um, I, interestingly... When some of the forest school leaders aren't in forest school, they are linked to some of the primary classes and some of the secondary okay. monitors. Um, and I've started to see that the a lot of the art, for example, is coming outside a little bit more. Yeah. So that, you know, you can sit in front of our main hall and you can, it's a beautiful old building and yeah. you sort of see them drawing it. Or you can see them drawing bits of nature and, and that wasn't happening before. before. Yeah. And you sort of think, okay, that's that's nice. It's sort of, sort of filtering across a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, how is it being received by the parents, the children being outdoors more? Are they all pretty happy with it? Um, I, I, again, a school, a school, any school has got such a, a wide range of parental preference. Yes, for, yeah. Um, and I think um, some think it's great that they, we are doing forest school. Some would like it more. Yeah. Um, some may well think, actually, they've just really got to focus on the, you know, on the nuts and bolts now yeah. as they get older. Um. I, it's it's a really difficult one to answer. Yeah. Um, I, from my perspective, we're not finished. No. We haven't gone right. We've done outdoor education because no. we've they've got forest school on their timetable or they we do. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I think we're always trying to develop it. Um, and I, if anyone's listening to this and you sort of think you've got a picture of a school in your head, please go and Google our school because you've got such a. Um, I've just got so much space that I don't use. Yeah. That sounds daft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you've got other schools in inner cities that you know have a quadrangle and it's concrete um yeah you're in a lucky position really in a city with lots of space yeah um and and i want to use that more um and i know that you know other schools in our trust there's one in 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 croydon um doesn't have any outdoor space but they're using the same company that i'm using to get the most out of the spaces that they've got so that the children can be outside i was just about to ask about that because i know that you've been in other schools in Devon which mm. haven't had as much space do you like 
do you think you'd have been enthusi- as enthusiastic as you are? Does that, does that make sense? Is it the space that inspires you or do you think you'd still want to be getting, like, to, to access the outdoors if you're in a more concrete, smaller kind of... Um, I suppose the difference is I was never the head teacher in the other no. school, so it's kind of yeah. like I get a little bit more of the final say now. Yes. Not all of it, but a little <laughs> bit more. Um, so I'd, I'd go back to the last school I was at, actually, and they... It didn't have as much space, but they did have the small spaces that they used, particularly with children who were struggling with the the, the, the mainstream curriculum. They did a lot of sort of growing and planting and yeah. uh, because of the therapeutic nature of that. It wasn't forest school per se, no. but it was certainly outdoor learning yes, and they, yeah. they saw that benefit. Um, and even though my last school is very much an inner city um, school in Plymouth, there was space where the children could play, yeah. um, and they love sport, and they, that you know, that's yeah. part of outdoor learning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but again, because of the size of that school, there was fourteen hundred children there, and it wasn't, you know, actually in a- in acreage, I've got more space now. Yeah. For four hundred than we had then. Wow, that's mad, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, but again, it's just, it's had I had I been the head at that time, yeah, possibly, um, but it was just a secondary school. And I think what I'm trying to do as mine is, is you, you sort of see the younger children outside more. Yeah. You can see how it's benefiting them. And like I said at the beginning, you can see what COVID's done. Yes. And that impact of they just need to be outside because mm. they need to be able to, sort of, I don't know if that's the right word, recharge a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's influenced what I think a yeah. little bit more as well. Well, I guess the biggest effect, I mean, obviously I'm not a teacher, but I'm a parent. Um, on kids would be in the lack of social so kind of socialisation with their not socialisation I hate that word but those social interactions that all that time indoors with just their family like even if you've got siblings it's not the same is it as playing with a big group of kids you re- no and you really notice it um, at, at the moment you sort of see like year one year two age and it, it, I'm not speaking about my school per se I'm speaking about nationally Generally, just because yeah. you, you talk to other ones you go yeah, there is a slight delay in, or because the formative years when you know you're just talking to mum or dad or yeah. gran or your brothers and sisters, even for six months, that's such a you know that's Massive a chunk big of their percentage life, yeah. of their life to that point, and so much learning happens in those first four years, um, before they even get to school age, you know, and you kind of you do see those gaps develop, yeah, and then you see the gaps develop later on where maybe if they haven't engaged in online learning as much or they haven't you know. Um, Sorry, it's a cat meowing. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, they, if they have, then then that actually strangely has a, a mental health impact because their self confidence will drop because they're not what where their peers are. Yeah. And you're fighting two battles then because obviously you want their mental health to be strong and to be good yes. to engage in the learning. Yeah. But they feel worse about themselves because they're seeing their best mate who has potentially done more yeah. in these lockdown periods flying. Yes. And they're not. And that's that's another battle which schools have got at the moment is, is weighing that up. And what you don't want to do in that case is if you know that's the problem, you don't want to take that child out to give them more forest school lessons. No. Because that's not what they need. No, no, no. They need to be supported yes. to do the catch-up, which is going to help them feel better as they get through yes. slightly older. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, it's also really sad. <laughs> um, I was going to ask about how much of a priority it is for you, but you've already kind of spoken about how this is just the, the beginning for you and you want to develop it further. Mm. Um, 
what kind of what kind of things have you got on, in your mind on the horizon? You said you've consulted with this company recently. Was that just on how to incorporate maths or was that? No, other? no, it's that they, um, that it's our trust of of employed them across all of the schools. So they come and do an exploratory. That's visit. really good of your trust. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really exciting, and it, and you know we've got three schools in the southwest in Bristol and 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 Froome and, and us, and we've all got quite unique settings in terms of the the sites that we occupy. Yeah. Um, and on the whole, we've got outside space and we want to use it. Yeah. Um, but again, some of the other schools are either new builds or they're in very, um, very urban areas when they don't have that luxury. So, um, what I, what what really want to sort of focus on over the course of the next one, two, three years is is that uh, teacher development. It's yeah. it's adding that string to the bow. It's building confidence in, you know, if you want to teach something in history, for example actually it's okay to go outside and do it you know if you if children yeah. are writing yes children are still going to have to write they're still going to have to do it yeah how can you incorporate what you're trying to put across yeah outside what happened to your history lesson outside i was just waiting for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> um what, what we were trying to look at i'll go back is we were looking at you know in history you look at evidence where something's come from yes. if it's reliable okay. if it's not reliable and um it's just quite a sort of a foundation lesson okay. like as in foundation in terms of secondary so yes. you're looking at those core skills so yeah. they're getting the terminology across so we were looking at the actual the old building of where they were studying uh, okay so we were trying to unpick evidence about what it was saying okay. and then going out and testing it that's awesome yeah but it like you know when, when you do the feedback you think yeah, they went for a walk didn't they I, just, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think they quite got as much out of it as i wanted but maybe that's the planning isn't it and that's that's coming back to how i can support teachers feel confident to do yes that. yeah also, to be fair, children aren't always very good at telling you what they've done with their day, is it? Oh, yeah, but you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. Oh, I was trying to be was... generous, Phil. Oh, no, no. no, I, I graded my lesson. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do you know what? I was going to ask again about... Um, I, my last question that I'd written down for us was about um, doing outdoor education in a school of all ages and whether you had certain year groups in mind. But you've kind of already spoken about that. It sounds like you're old older year groups are still getting outside just as much as younger ones even if it's through these kind of ex more challenging type things instead they are but I, th- I think i mean do you think the priorities of gcse it gets to a point where actually you've just got to be inside and get their heads down to get through those kind of last two years there's a lot on the curriculum there is a lot on yeah. on, on any key stage curriculum mm. and and we follow discrete subjects, so they we teach science. Discrete, did you say? Yeah, so we teach in primary. Yeah. We teach science, we teach history, we teach geography. Some primary schools do topic-based approaches. Okay. Um, but we teach discrete because we kind of feel it's useful if the secondary teachers and the primary teachers are working on the same language within the subject. Okay. It just seems to make sense for us, and I think more primary schools now follow that model. Okay. Um, um, and I think there's a huge opportunity for, for the older children working with the younger children. Whether oh, they're working whether together, that's yeah. Or not. Um, but even so, the national curriculum is so full. Yes. Um, and, and obviously, as they get through, as they go on to their GCSEs, that there's a lot of memory that they've got to, um, they've got to process and remember. And there's a phrase now which you hear a lot in education, just called cognitive load. If you keep throwing too much at children, they won't remember it. No. And the skill of teaching is building retrieval building um how you're how, going back to that quality of education yeah. how your curriculum is mapped together yeah to make sure that children are actually absorbing confident in yeah. what they're building so it's not that you're doing the same again mm. um so 
one of my first sort of probably weeks or months in I no actually must have been second term because we were open fully I went into a year four and they were doing 1066 yeah as a history teacher you go well, hang on they do that in year seven but actually what what we fall into the trap of doing is just doing the same again yeah and that's not what it's supposed to be it's about no. building on those foundations that yeah. they've got and then mapping that t- together and if you do that properly you've got more flexibility I'm guessing you could do 1066 twice, but there'd be a lot more to learn at a higher level. Or it's what you're looking at, isn't it? Yeah. So there's no point doing this. Is why William won in year four. No. You know, I'm sorry. I'm assuming that people are listening. <laughs> I'm sure they do because they've done it twice in year four. And year seven. <laughs> um, but the, it's building on. Um, it's maybe bit, so they've got the context of what 1066 look like. Yeah. So when they're in year seven, well, we'll have a look at maybe what, what about the religion or what about the crime and punishment? Yeah. So they've got, you know, you're building on that. Yes. And then you're sort of creating a sort of this spiral. So as yeah. they go up to do crime and punishment in yeah. year 11, they've had that journey and they're yeah. confident with that time period is, is, you know, is how we would like to develop our curriculum yeah. over time. And that's about teachers having time to talk mm. and then they can work out where they can fit in you know actually go back to 1066 there's a great deal of learning opportunity there because thinking about you know if you've got a hill harold was on the hill william's at the bottom reenact it yes do you know what i mean yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. and, and uh, that happens quite a lot actually in, yeah. in secondary schools but there's a great opportunity to take that mm. classroom-based activity right write me an essay whatever but actually before we do that let's go outside let's go out yeah. and model it and that's and I'm guessing also in terms of that cognitive load that you've just mentioned, if they're spending even like five minutes going outside to do that or ten minutes, however long it takes to rally a class, that might help kind of with the processing and the absolutely absor- yeah. absorption. The more ways you can process the same information, the, the better chance it's got of sticking. Um, uh, and, and, and that's, again, another reason why just going outdoors. Even if it's just for a little bit. Even, even well, everyone needs sensory breaks. Yes. You know, and yeah. I think that's something we haven't really touched on in terms of either children with SEN or actually not. They mm. Children need a breaks. Break. Not back-to-back. Not back-to-backs. And actually anyone's memory doesn't, or, or attention span, you know, it, yeah. it varies, but it's, it, it doesn't go more than 20 minutes, yeah. really, if we're, being, if we're being honest. So how you can incorporate those breaks within that, even the best-driven... Best driven, yeah. The most driven children who are focused on their mm. GCSEs, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna burn out. A bit they're as, gonna burn yeah. out. But that period just before lunch, when you're trying to drill in Pythagoras theorem to them, they're, <laughs> they're not getting it because no. they've had a, a morning of it. Yeah. So it's how you can then build in what's happening, of course, throughout the rest yeah. of your day. I suppose. Awesome. And um, just before we finish up, in terms of guidance you get from like Department of Education and Ofsted and all that kind of stuff, do they ever mention? like utilising the outdoors or forest school or anything like that? Is there anything from the government about this kind of thing that we've been talking about? Or <laughs> There might be. I just don't know about it. Um, <laughs> or do you know what other schools in your area are doing? Like are other people yeah, is it on there their are, radar? There are some really good sort of... Um, we've got something through very recently from another primary school near, nearby where we are, and you think, oh, that's a really good idea. Let's mm. Let's see how we can... We can tap in to, to those yeah. to those sort of things that they're doing. And obviously working with the outdoors group has given us that indication of how that forest school can really help your children who are struggling, but also not struggling yeah. and, and how that can be for everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, there is starting to be, but my, my general feeling is post lockdown, everyone's looked in a little bit, looked inwards at their schools just to try and get some continuity yeah. going. You know, we've, you know, we've had two lockdowns 
we've had high staff absences. Yeah. And what's the first thing that's going to go if you've got all your teachers out? Yeah. Let's stop the outdoors. Let's yes. just, let's let's keep the school open for now. Yeah. And that has been all of our challenges uh, in education across the country in the last the term before Christmas, the autumn term was the, the most difficult I've ever known. Oh really? That's interesting. Um and I've heard it so many times from other yeah. people. Um that just I that combination of, it, of factors that we've spoken about. Yes, because obviously the COVID um guidance changed frequently yeah. throughout that term. Um staff got it, I got it, you know, everyone's yeah. had it once. We're on round three, I think now. Yeah. And you know, you want to keep the school safe, staff are off. Mm. And, and and the children still need someone to be taught by and, and I'm really grateful that we've not had to do what some schools have had to do and close completely for short yeah. periods. But Or you've heard I've heard about some schools where like a whole year group's been sent home, so it's like on Mondays it'll be year one aren't in or you know, that mm. way to Yeah, this on rotation. Yeah, so on rotation, yeah. Quite a lot. Um, so I'm kind of I am grateful in that sense, but the, the flip side is when you're looking at your plan in the morning, mm. and you go right, I've got so and so and so and so taking forest. Well, actually, if they're in, I can because you can need two it. people yeah. out in the woods. Yes, yeah, yeah, for safety. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's 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 been an element of that, and that's mm. just unfortunate. But it doesn't mean that the teachers can't take their classes out. It's just no. that you know yeah. the, the extra things we're the trying to do. Things, yeah. Cool. Oh, thank you so much for giving up some of your Easter holiday to us. It's all right. I'm going to finish by asking you three questions. And I know that the first one is probably a bit mean to a busy head teacher, but how do you relax? Um, <laughs> well, um, in the two minutes that you might squeeze in. <laughs> uh, how do I relax? I, I did. I, I started to do a um, oh, silly challenge. I did the, the seventh. Hang on. I've got to do the maths right now. It's the 75 hard challenge last year. Yes. Where you'd have to do four, two minutes of four... Two, hang on, I can't talk <laughs> I'm on holiday. Um, two lots of 45 minutes of exercise a day. Which is a lot to fit into the day. It's a re- Yes, yeah, so I had to get up really early. But um, I felt quite a lot of benefit from doing that. So yeah. you have to do it for 75 days. And then obviously day 75 finished and I stopped and went back to my old habits. But I've, I've started... <laughs> to see it work. Yeah, yeah. I could say I've done it and I've ticked it. But I, I've started to re- re-engage in that now as um, I take the dog for a run every morning. Mm. And that it sounds daft. It doesn't relax you, but it, it sets you up yeah. nicely yeah. for the day. Um, I obviously have a lovely family. Who, um, <laughs> I'm not sure they're relaxing. I actually was, <laughs> um, but you spend time with your family. You sort of cherish the weekends. Yeah. You cherish the holidays. I'm I'm not much used to anyone during the week, and I think that's that's just part and parcel. That's what it is at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are you reading or listening to right now? I'm guessing you don't have much time to read, but maybe you listen to stuff in the car while you drive in. I do listen to podcasts. I've just. It's kind of a phenomenon when you're out running. If you've got a podcast mm. going, I find that really yeah, that's what I do. Really helpful. Run while podcasting. Um, so I've got um, well in the winter. I really like listening to cricket podcasts because it makes me think of the summer. So I'm literally just listening to people <laughs> talking about cricket. Um, so there's the BBC ones. There's the um, couple of their uh, Test match special and, mm. and and the Nobles cricket podcast, which I quite enjoy. Um, I listen to um, I can't remember now. Parenting Hell, which is obviously oh yeah. Um, Josh Widdicombe Josh Widdicombe and um, on the other one Rob Beckett Rob Beckett um, that's it and you can see so our children are a bit older than theirs but having lived it it's just you know, it's the same for everyone isn't yeah. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah being a parent so that's nice just listening to those I'm not really reading takes for, for my work I have to read quite a lot of different yeah. things um, yeah. and I, it's not that I, I find it really interesting actually and I think the science around learning at the moment is, is fascinating um, it doesn't relax me I think no. podcasts certainly do. Yeah, podcasts do more, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and finally, I know that you're a bit outdoorsy, um, or quite outdoorsy. Why is being outdoors important to you? Um, well, I, I was born in Exeter and I've grown up in this part of the world. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends moved away as soon as we'd finished and they, they went off to do the London thing and I didn't because I just think this is such a beautiful place to be and why would you ever want yeah. to leave it? Um, and having spent today on, on Dartmoor, the afternoon on Dartmoor, you kind of just appreciate how amazing it is and just awe-inspiring it is. And when we visit different places, you know, we've been fortunate enough to visit different countries and seeing different the different environments, the different um, yeah. the different climates. You're just so grateful that you've got that space. Yeah. Um, it takes your mind off things. Yes. It creates a sense of um, perspective, often. Yes. And um, now, thanks to my wife, I'm dabbling in sea swimming as well. So all of a sudden, I'm completely outdoorsy, which I never used to be. So <laughs> awesome. It's all good. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, have a good rest of your holidays. I will try. Hope you don't work too much. <laughs> A big thank you again to Phil Arnold, head at the Avanti Hall School in Exeter, for taking some time to talk to us today about his thoughts and experiences of outdoor education. I really enjoyed talking to him and I hope that you out there enjoyed listening to our conversation. As always, please don't forget to rate uh, the podcast, subscribe and share it with your friends so more people can find us. And please come back in a fortnight for our next conversation. Thanks for listening.